I equate learning how to prophesy through false prophecy to trying to find the right wife through adultery. Well, I had my first dead take. <laughs> Just sat there and spoke for 20 minutes to nothing. So let's try this again. Um, sorry, smoothie break. All right. All right, so first things first. Wow, thank you so much, guys. We are just seeing crazy growth and crazy responses, and I'm just blown away. Like, incredible. Um, you guys are amazing. We're getting so much support. You guys are sharing stuff, liking stuff. It's like, it's amazing. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, we already broke 3,000. Um, maybe by the time this comes out, we might already be at 4,000, which is crazy. Um, and just appreciate it. You know, y'all, you I'm getting emails from you guys. The emails are amazing. Um, some of your stories I'm hearing, uh, just, just encouraging. So thank you so much, everyone. Um, appreciate it. And I'm going to keep trucking along here. All right. We're going over this today. <laughs> so today's goal for today is to really set the foundation for what, what it means to go through this school. Uh, this, this handbook and how this book came along. And uh, then we're going to jump into some of the meat of it. So um, there's a lot here to unpack. So we're going to start by reading the foreword and the introduction to it um, because there's a lot to cover just in that. Um, I know it feels like we're probably going to be going at a snail's pace on a lot of stuff, but guys, there's just so much in every page to unpack in this stuff. And a lot of theology, even in the introduction, there are verses that are just way off um, that we're going to be tackling. So um, for the sake of not getting like striked from stuff from Bethel, I'm going to read stuff kind of in parts um, so they don't give a copyright strike or something. I don't want to cause any of that issue. Um, but let's just, let's just jump into the foreword, which was written by James Gall, uh, him and his wife, Michael Ann. Um, uh, part, I believe a co-authors, co-authors with this with Chris Valentin. Um, or at least I know he came up was part of it in some way. Um, so let's go ahead and read the foreword. Um, a new generation of soaring prophetic eagles is now here among us. <laughs> Full stop. Remember the eagles prophecy from <laughs> prophetic bingo? That was fun. Okay. These risk-taking believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are not somewhere out there in the far distant future. They are with us now. Chris Fowlton and his crew at Bethel Church's School of Supernatural and Reading California seem to be leading the way. They have the highest level of impartation of any school of supernatural that I know of anywhere today. Yes, that's right. So he goes on at this point to talk about how this the previous generation was raised in religion, but this next generation is raised in the prophetic, or sorry, raised in supernatural. So basically how previously generations had to break out of old religion, but now new generations, which is the generation now, uh, can actually just walk in the supernatural because they're raised in supernatural. And he says, wow, so where does that leave those in my generation? He's the older guy. Are we left by bystanders to exploit the exploits of the new Joshua and St. Caleb? Absolutely not. There, there are new vistas for us as well. I tell some of my students, you're going to have to run fast. He's basically saying, hey, this is for young people and old people. Everyone's going to do it. Um, and then at this point, he goes into a dream that his wife had about the prophetic and about doing the kind of basically doing this 
Um, essentially, she's having a dream, and she there's a bunch of people lined up. I don't, again, I'm not reading it word for word because I don't want to copyright strike, so I'm just going to summarize, summarize it for you. So she has a dream. Uh, there's always people lined up in order, and there's a call that happens, like a horn blows or something, and then everyone takes a step back, but she's the only one left, as if she kind of volunteered, basically. But then a gust pushes her even further forward, and this is where it picks up here. So I'll read this part because it gets a little... A little bit hard to keep up with this point but so she's basically volunteered by everyone stepping back uh it was amazing to watch oh sorry oh where'd it go uh she was awakened out of the dream knowing somehow she had been chosen uh or volunteered with help to be a mother of the prophetic in her generation it was amazing to watch what the lord did with this once withdrawn dear lady who has been thrust to the fronts of god's prophetic compassion army if it could happen to michael ann and me it can happen to anyone um, there's room in his army for you. And he goes on about basically saying, like, read this book, take all you can out of it, and get ready to go out there and, and, and do it. Do the thing, you know? That's that's the summary of the forward. Now, even in this forward, there's something that I want to point out. Uh, and that's this idea of risk-taking believers. So we got to ask that question. What is What are they taking? What's the risk they are taking? Um, we talk about the prophetic, I think, and the way I see it, um, and it's kind of evident in the book when they talk about teaching the prophetic about taking risk is kind of stressed throughout the book um, in different ways and taking risk means hey you might get it wrong is that okay <laughs> that's the question we have to ask is it okay to get the prophetic wrong um and i i'm this is my first little rant here so i don't think that's okay to get the prophetic wrong and here's here's where we have to go um we got to look at first the biblical standard of prophets. They didn't get it wrong. There wasn't a risk of them getting it wrong. They either had a word from the Lord or they didn't. And that, that was it. And we know this because in Deuteronomy 13, it took very seriously. Even if they got a bunch of things right, but if they got one thing wrong, you know, he's a false prophet. Um, now, let's just say, this is the argument I hear a lot um, from some guys like like Remnant Radio. I've, I've used to watch a lot of their stuff. I go back and forth on them lately, not too crazy. But a lot of times when they argue the prophetic, the thing they talk about how there's new biblical standards, new covenant standards. Uh, let's just say we give that to them, okay? The question is, has God's law changed? Has the commandments changed? Not the prophetic standards. Because we know the prophetic standards or the biblical standards for sin don't change. Like we know that we shouldn't, um, oh, so let me rephrase that. The Ten Commandments hasn't changed. I know there's like traditional law. There's um, There's the covenant law. There's the... The practice of like obviously like wearing mixed shirts like i get that part i'm talking about the commandments you know so when we look at the ten commandments with you know without you know we still shouldn't murder uh adultery lying covet um you know use the lord's name in vain that's the big one here um so we gotta look at what a prophecy is and a prophecy is assigning a promise to the lord's name you know, Chris Roseborough over at Fighting for the Faith, when I was first coming, creeping back into Christianity, coming out of my atheist phase, and I was thinking about the prophetic because I still hadn't had any kind of update from there. He had a video where he talked about what's it mean to use the Lord's name in vain. And this, this just like, now I'll link, I'll try to find it. I'll see if I, I can get it from Chris. Um, but this video really helped me um, because I fully understood what it meant to use the Lord's name in vain. I used to just think of it as like saying you know, like GD or you know cussing or swearing or something like that, but when Pastor Chris explained how it's it's a sign of promise to the Lord's name that he didn't make, 
So when you prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you make a prophetic declaration in the name of the Lord of something that's going to happen, and excuse me, and that thing does not come to pass, you have used the Lord's name in vain. You have sinned. You have said the Lord's going to do this. This is going to happen. Then it doesn't happen, and so His name was assigned to something, and it didn't happen. And that that can't that like our our God is the Alpha and Omega. He's written the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He can't get something wrong. That's not what he does. And so that's the severity of prophecy when it's false. It's not just a false prophecy. It's a sin because you're using the Lord's name in vain. Now here's where it gets, I may seem a little intense or radical in my stance. And I don't think I am personally. I just think it's, it's logical, I think, not radical. But we take this idea of practicing the prophetic, taking a risk for the prophetic, right? Now, if you take a risk, you're going to sin. You're basically teaching people to sin is the way I put it now, is that if you're teaching people to prophesy, to take a risk, to learn how to prophesy, you're teaching them to sin. There's no way around that. They are trying to prophesy. They get it wrong. They've sinned. Rinse, wash, repeat. I equate learning how to prophesy through false prophecy to trying to find the right wife through adultery. There's kind of no way around that because... Adultery, you're basically sleeping around outside of marriage or in your marriage, and you're just trying to find the right wife, maybe. Uh, and let's say you find the right wife after, you know, seven or eight adulterous relationships. But you sin, <laughs> you've given me major sins here. It's not okay. Like, just because now you're married to someone or someone else doesn't make it okay. It's like the, the path there was not good. <laughs> it's the same way with prophecy. Let's say you nail a prophecy but it's after 20 or 30 false prophecies, that doesn't make the one good one okay. It's still built upon sin. And I know that's, I know this seems radical, but in my eyes, after seeing the damage that a prophetic ministry can do, when you're taking risks, and a lot of times these prophecies can be things like jobs they should take, places they should move to, business adventures, maybe even a wife or a husband, you know, there's no room to be taking risk on these things. So, so that's the forward. <laughs> that's how far we've gotten. Uh, we're making a lot of great progress here. Uh, all right, so let's let's go ahead and jump to the actual introduction that Chris Valentin writes. And here's where we're going to break down some scripture. And this kind of goes over why they think prophecy is for, why they want to apply prophecy in this way. So let's dive into that. So let's read the introduction introduction and again i'm going to try my best to not get a copyright strike or anything on this but we'll we'll see what we can do so in the days of the prophet elijah there are rose a company of men who are called the sons of the prophets first kings 2035 these men traveled throughout the world ravaging the powers of darkness wreaking havoc on evil kingdoms they had no tolerance for the destructive behavior of wicked kings but rather turned many to righteousness they raised the dead healed the sick uh, parted rivers destroyed false prophets and saw revival spread throughout their land they were feared by many and respected by all. They walked in great purity and God was their friend. All right, so this is the standard that is being set. So we're talking about the sons of the prophets. All right, so 1 Kings 20, 35, that's all, that's all in there. But he's taking this and he's setting this as a standard. And we're going to see now. So today, all around us, wickedness continues to grow. Taking root in the lives of those we love and eroding the very foundation of our country. Satanism is spreading like wildfire. Psychics laugh in the face of the church as they demonstrate the power of the dark side. 
Divorce is destroying our families, and violence is corrupting our children. Sickness and disease take the lives of so many. Yet the words of the Lord Jesus echo through the halls of history. Um, uh, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new, new tongues, and he who believes in me, the works that I do, will also do, will, will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Um, I have a whole thing I want to do on that, <laughs> about greater works, uh, and understanding what the greater works are. Um, little snippet, when you think about the greater works, you have to ask yourself, what is the, when, when people say, um, when we talk about miracles and stuff and like seeing it, first of all, he's talking to the 12, he's talking to the disciples here. Um, not talking directly to us. He's talking to the 12. Uh, but another thing you think about the greater works, what is the greatest work Jesus ever did? And that's raising himself from the dead, right? So when we talk about greater works, does he mean all the miracles and stuff? Because if that were the case, we would see that you know, how do you do a greater work than the resurrection? You know, like, do you have to be dead for like seven days and then raise yourself up from the dead? Like that's, that's a reform friend of mine brought that up. And I'm like, that's a really good point. I've never thought of that. But anyways, this, let's get on to the prophecy part. So in Acts 3.25, Peter says, it is you who are the sons of the prophet. Ooh, that's interesting. So uh, this is where he is claiming, he's basically tying... 1 Kings 20, 35, Sons of the Prophets. And he's taking what Peter says when Peter's talking about this uh, in Acts. It is you who are sons of the prophets. And he says, it is time for the body of Christ to rise up and receive their inheritance. Hmm, that's a prophecy bingo word. Uh, we must rid ourselves of complacency and restore the ancient boundaries of holiness and demonstrations of great power. We cannot be satisfied with illustrative sermons, great music, and friendly services. We have been called to see the power of darkness destroyed and our uh, destroyed and our ruined cities restored. So let's take a look at Acts three twenty five. Let's do a little Bible study, kids. Um, mm, 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 mm. Okay. So in Acts three, um, this is Paul talking to a lot of the Jews. Um, and he's talking, kind of, kind of uh, saying who the gospel is for. And if we read a little bit, let's, we're going to read Acts three seventeen through twenty six. Um, I'm in the ESV; it's my my go to favorite translation. Uh, okay, he says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, as Christ would suffer, He thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That time of refreshing has come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise you up, a, raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers, and you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. All right. I don't know when if you read that, that you got that we are we have an inheritance to claim that's not what i got out of that when we read that it's pretty clear what peter's talking about is explaining to the jews 
how not only are you the blood offspring, the, like you have a, an actual descendants from Abraham, but the spiritual line as well. That's what he talks about the sons of the prophets. Uh, he's not saying, this isn't written to us to say, hey, you, you're a son of the prophet. <laughs> Uh, it's it's to remind the Jews that hey like it's for the Jews first then to Gentiles this is this is what was foretold by the prophets this is the prophet who was sent to you was Jesus like he's the one that was sent to you um, so there's the, he's he's basically doing the lineage of the spiritual lineage and the physical lineage if you go over that that time again he says um, in verse twenty two. Uh, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers, and you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to him, listen to that prophet, shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. So he's going, hey, like the prophets have been talking about this Messiah, this Jesus, all the way back. Like it's not just your physical lineage, it is your spiritual lineage. Like the prophets have been speaking about him. And then you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant Abraham. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by the turning of everyone from your wickedness. So that's pretty clear. Like, again, I'm no pastor. I'm no preacher. I'm no theologian. But if we just take that verse, the Acts 3.25, and we read it, we see that it's not an inheritance to claim. It's an exposition of the lineage that is Christ through the prophets and through the lineage of Abraham. It's not that we're all supposed to claim this for ourselves, right? Moving on. In the days of Moses, God demonstrated his power to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh counterattacked by having his sorcerers duplicate the miracles of God. Then the God of heaven, who has all power, performed extraordinary miracles so that even the sorcerers said, This must be God. We cannot perform these miracles. Finally, Pharaoh was overcome by God's power and let his people go. I believe that the Pharaoh of this age is about to let go of our cities as God demonstrates his raw power through his church. We are in the midst of a great revival in human history, yet there remains a distance between what should be and what will be. That distance is you. What will you be? You are the bridge between history and, and hi you are the bridge between history and his story. You are the sons of the prophets. There it is. The sick, the demonized, the poor, the blind, the lame, and the lost are waiting to see what you have learned. Don't disappoint them. All right. You are the sons of the prophets. But is there an inheritance for us to claim that has been left unclaimed? Is there a, a bounty of spiritual wealth, a bounty of, of, of spiritual knowledge or gifts or power that is being left unclaimed by the church? Uh, and that through this book, through this understanding, we can claim our prophetic giftings. I just don't get that out of Acts 3.25. When we read that, I just don't get that. It's clearly Peter doing an exposition of how Jesus was called upon through the prophets and spoke of through the prophets and how the, the Jews are not only have a spiritual lineage or physical lineage, but a spiritual lineage as well. And that's the point. Like I just I just don't see how you can then make an entire prophetic ministry off of claiming that we are the sons of the prophets and we're supposed to see things happen. It's um, it's a long stretch. And this is just the introduction. So if you know the introduction is built upon just one verse, and again, like what I'm gonna, gonna mirror Pastor Chris here, the three rules of sound biblical exegesis are context, context, and context. 
And just by reading a couple verses, about seven verses before and two verses after, we can clearly see just on this alone that that this is that that's not what this is saying. You know, it's very, very clear. Um, now, moving forward in the book, we're going to be going through the lessons a little bit by little. I'm again try to hold off on getting copyright strikes, uh, but I just thought this was so clearly not what this is saying. And the damage, like ugh, the damage, this does when you tell someone that like it's up to you to do this, like you carry this burden to release this prophetic thing. Like you, there's all this work you have to do. But if we look at Paul, Paul talks about he doesn't boast in the prophetic. He doesn't boast in his gifts. He doesn't boast in being able to prophesy. He says, I, I come to you proclaiming nothing but Christ crucified. Like, again, I, I look at this and I think that is the reason it is so important to just know the gospel and know it well, to be able to rightly divide the word of God, to be able to take this and show how this all points back to the gospel, to show how... This isn't a way to like a get rich quick scheme. It's not a bunch of spiritual blessings inheritance you have. This is a very clear guideline uh, of the gospel. Like it all revolves around Jesus, not the gifts. It revolves around Jesus. And even the gifts point back to Jesus. It all points back to the gospel. Um, not for me to be some crazy prophetic guru or have be able to, you know, we don't tear down the enemies strongholds like the pharaoh like the modern pharaoh of today what is the modern pharaoh of today you know like how do we tear that down do i do i think we tear it down by doing prophecy and by performing miracles no i i think we tear it down through the gospel like that's where i see that i don't i don't think it's like we have to go around doing all this work uh performing miracles but we actually have to go around preaching the gospel and that's what we're supposed to be doing so that wraps that up um I really appreciate you guys again, just all of the support, um, just all the things we're seeing and, um, many interviews. We had the one with Chris K dub that came out. I'm going to link that down below so you can see that, uh, Doreen reached out to me. Hi Doreen. If you're watching this, um, her interview should be coming out pretty soon as well. Um, and we got some more fun stuff on the ways. I got a lot of alumni reaching out to me that are wanting to talk, um, through email, through text calls, previous friends. Um, that we're looking to do some interviews with. So we ha we'll have some uh, post-Bethel exit interviews. We'll get some perspective from them. Um, also, uh, like I mentioned in K-Dub's interview, um, I'm really looking forward to expound more, just not what, like we're going we're gonna to do next couple months on this, on breaking down Bethel. But we're also going to be do doing more deep dives on how, what's it look like to rework your theology? Because I feel like that's, that's one of the biggest things I've been hearing from people is like, where do I go? What do I do? How do you even start to rework your theology? And it breaks my heart that that's, that's a big, it's a big problem. It's like you, when you're trying to relearn your theology, it's just, it's overwhelming. It really can be. So we're going to be working on some lessons on that and what I do and what have I been doing and how am I growing? And I'm still learning guys. Like I can't stress that enough. I'm still learning. Um, but what I'm learning is so refreshing and has been really helpful. Um, so yeah, I hope, I hope again, as always, I hope this was helpful for you guys. I know we just read the foreword and the <laughs> introduction, but there's a lot there, like I said, and just in the forward and the introduction. Um, so we get through that and then let's just do a sneak peek. Let's see. What is, what is lesson one on? Lesson one is the purpose of the prophetic ministry, which this will be good. Um, I'm excited about this. 
Uh, and they talk about what covenant you're prophesying, prophesying from, what the true prophetic ministry is, and then finding treasure in the lives of sinners, um, all that good stuff. So we'll be going through that. A um, lot more to cover. Um, and uh, if you guys have any suggestions of things you want to hear about, I've been getting a lot of things in the comments. Let me know. Um, but other than that, guys, as always, thank you. Uh, God bless. Thanks for the support. Thanks for sharing. Um, drink your smoothies. They're good for you. And I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful day.